Hey, what's up? GF Pastor Rod here. Uh, I am joined by Elder Nahum and Deacon Audrey. Um, super excited about having this time with you all. Um, this is a little bit different. This is a little bit different than what we normally do, but I'm excited and I think it's going to be impactful. We are continuing our series on everyday joy. Um, we are going to be looking at Philippians 3, uh, verses 12 through 21. Uh, I want to encourage you, man, if you're watching this, share this. It's going to be good. Just hit the button. Don't hesitate. Just hit the button. Also, in the comments, man, drop your questions. Drop your, your thoughts, your ideas. Hang around for the hangout afterwards. It's going to be good. And we'll have a time to share there. Um, so we are ending this series a little bit early uh, at the end of Chapter 3. And next week, we're going to jump in a series called Biblical Justice. Uh, with everything happening in our country, in our culture, in our world, we want to take a deep dive in what God says biblically about the issue of justice. So I want to encourage you to stay tuned for that coming up next week. But for now, I'm joined by two amazing people, uh, Elder Nahum and Deacon Audrey, and they're a part of our uh, preaching and teaching cohort. We meet once a month and we study how do we become effective proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's important. And so we have an incredible time. There are more people in the cohort um, that's watching now. So anyway, um, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's a really, really good time that we have together. And so, man, I just want to show in this time how normal people just sit, open up God's word, and can begin to mine the truths that we find in it. So I want to show you this collaboratively as we work through a text. Uh, in this time, you'll see uh, some culture come out. You'll see what, what Paul is saying to the original audience. You'll see gospel implications all through this text. And we'll also see how this text applies to us in the here and now. And so I want to read this text to you, and then we're going to jump in. Philippians 3, verse starting at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining or pressing forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of Christ. Of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with the with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our body, our lowly bodies, to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for using the Apostle Paul to pen this. 
thousands of years ago so that at this point on this day we could chop up this text and find strength and encouragement so father use us as your vessels we we sit yielded to you this morning speak through us those things you want your people to know say and do in jesus name amen so looking at these first couple of verses verses 12 13 14 uh, Audrey, if you can, if you can help get us started, what, what do you see as you look at these, at this idea of pressing? All right. So to start out, um, I would like to read a story that I came across that I think will help illustrate uh, the first point that Paul is making um, in verse twelve. So it says, in the fifteenth century, Spain led the world and considered itself the ultimate in all the world. So much so that her coins reflected her national arrogance and were inscribed with the term me plus ultra, which means nothing further or the highest point capable of being attained. Meaning that basically once you've reached Spain, you made it and there was nothing left to strive for. But after the discovery of the new world, i.e. the Americas, Spain realized that she was not the end of the world and ultimately ended up changing the inscription on her coinage to plus ultra, meaning more beyond or further beyond. So verse 12 opens up with Paul talking about um, basically illustrating that even though he has this impressive resume that Dre kind of uh, spelled out for us last Sunday, he still hasn't made it yet. There's still a point in his uh, in his his uh, relationship with Jesus where he's spiritually immature. And so what he's encouraging us to do is to not feel like we've made it as mm. believers. We never quote unquote, make it yeah. right until we're with Jesus. Like as long as we're here in fleshly form, there's much more for us to, to continue to strive for. So if we look at um, what he says in his letters to the Christians in Rome in chapter seven, he says, I am all too human, a slave to sin, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what Paul is doing is he's painting a picture for us to be ever growing. As we actively walk out our faith, he, he's illustrating an example in the second half of this verse by starting the sentence with a coordinating conjunction, which is but. So if you look at the, the scripture or the verse, it says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but, mm -hmm. right? So what, that, what he's basically doing there is he's forcing us to kind of pause and kind of reflect on what he's saying, right? He's saying, I haven't made it yet, but, right. I, and then he goes on to say, I press on. And so he's basically saying that though he hasn't arrived, he will press on. Or as the King James Version says, he will follow after. Or as the Message Bible says, he is well on his way towards attaining that perfection, which is maturity in his relationship with Jesus. I think it's also important to know that the perfection that he's mentioning here, he's he means maturity, right? I have not fully reached a mature the maturity in my spiritual relationship. And so I also have this quote: uh, "A Christ-like life is not a moment to achieve." but a goal to pursue. Paul knows he would never be perfect in this world, but instead made it his ambition to become increasingly like Christ in this life. And so I just kind of want to sum up that verse with, our spiritual journey should never cease. We should be constantly, um, I guess, striving towards something. Like there should never come a point in our spiritual life where we feel like we've made it because then we become stagnant in our faith. And 
experiences. So that's what I think all of the experiences are alluding to there. No, that's 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 so good. I think when we see ourselves becoming stagnant or just not moving, and maybe you're watching this and you're like, man, that's kind of talking about me there. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stagnant, I'm not moving. And Paul doesn't use the fact that he doesn't have it all together yet to be the fuel that keeps him stuck. Right. He uses the fact that he doesn't have it all together, but I'm going to press. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep striving. Man, that's that's good. Motivation. Motivation, right. Yeah. And, and so kind of my thought is he's, he doesn't have it all together yet, but he's pushing. What's motivating this push. And when I look at, at verse 12, at the end, it says, um, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And to me, man, that's, I'm not pushing to impress. I'm not striving to meet some quota that I have by the time I'm 30 or that by the time I'm 40 or 50, I'm, I'm striving for something else. My, the, the motivation that I'm, that's causing me to strive is because I really have already obtained. Okay. It's, it's what Christ has done in making me his own that gives me motivation to press. This is the gospel in a nutshell, right? This is kind of our first glimpse of it in this text. It is that before we do any good work, God has to do the work of salvation in our lives. Amen. We got to come to him and, and, and repent of our sin and turn away from our sin and live this yielded life towards Christ because he's done so much in redeeming us. I don't know if you're there this morning. I don't know if you would call yourself a Christian, but what an opportunity we have Christians are not striving to be this goody two-shoe person. The motivation is because God has tagged me and made me his own. Now I'm tagging and pursuing him back because he's been that good. I think if, 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 if there's anything else that's motivating us, and I think we find ourselves getting into our own righteousness and getting into a self-righteous mentality that doesn't yield, uh, the fruit that God wants it to yield in our life or doesn't help us move on towards maturity. So I just wanted to also point that out as Paul is pressing. I wanted, I wanted to point out why he's pressing. Yeah. Yeah. That's real good. I like the fact that actually in the King James version, the new King James, the way it reads is, but I press on that I may lay hold of Mm -hmm. that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of. Yeah. So it's almost as if Paul is reaching uh, to grab hold of Christ, yeah. but obviously his hand is too short. Right. He can't make it all the way, but Christ Jesus comes yeah. right. and yeah. grabs hold of yeah. him That's yeah. and brings him in closer. So. That's good. Yeah, and then as we look at verse 13, it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, to what lies ahead. Amen. One of the things I love what the New Testament says about mercy in the book of Lamentations. Mm-hmm. It says that his mercies are new every morning. Man, yes. one of the things I think that we have to do if we are going to move on to maturity, if we're going to continue to grow, 
One of the things I think that hinders our growth and maturity is when we hold on to past mistakes, we hold on to past failures, we act like the cross is not strong enough to redeem, to, to forgive us of our sins, right? So we blame ourselves, we condemn ourselves, we push ourselves down. This text is saying what Paul is doing is he has a short-term memory when it comes to his blunders, Amen. right? And because he understands the power of the blood of Jesus and how efficacious it is in cleansing and redeeming us from sin, he's able to forget those things that lie behind. I mean, we can, the, the, the Bible talks about how God takes our sin and casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. It is not that he doesn't know about the sin, but he's making a conscious choice not to keep bringing it back up. And that's the same thing Paul is saying. He's like, I know where I come from. Uh, if you're walking through the CBR journal with us, you saw this this week where Paul says, I am the worst of all sinners. He's he's looking back in his mind. So he he still has knowledge, but what he's not letting his past dominate where he is in this moment. And that's a good word for us. We can't let past sins dominate where we are in the moment. We also can't let what people have done to us in our past dominate us in the moment mm -hmm. so you so you move forward with wisdom right if if you keep slapping me every day uh i gotta forgive you and um depending on what day you catch me right because <laughs> anyway um i gotta forgive you but i may not keep coming around you right mm -hmm. i may go another way to avoid that my point is if I'm going to move forward, I can't hold that grudge against you for what you did for so, so long ago in the past. I got to forgive you and keep it moving. And I can't keep looking back and rehearsing the stuff that happened yesterday. I'm never going to move to maturity. Amen. And um, so I think it's I think it's important when Paul says that, that he is he's forgetting those things that are behind him. If he keeps remembering that he was one that persecuted and killed Christians how in the world is he going to move forward? Amen. So in the same way for, for, for you and I, maybe that's something you're writing a note down to yourself that, that maybe after this, this talk, you need to spend time in prayer asking God to help you um, forget those things that's behind and press towards the new things that he's called me to do. That's, that's good. And that's actually a, real, a great segue into the next verse, verse 14, which reads, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And there's that word again, I press, mm -hmm. um, which is a constant theme throughout throughout the text. And it, it minds you when you hear of press, as think of pursue or striving um, towards something with an intense effort mm. um, to a goal. And even as I was going through this text, um, the thought that keeps coming to mind is of one running a race. And when you're running a race, you're, you're focused, you're determined to make it to the finish line. And now the enemy's goal, your adversary's goal, is to get you to lose focus, um, to be distracted. You know, for sprinters in a race, um, a lot of times in track meets, there's multiple things going on. So if we're sprinters in a race, we're focusing on our race. We're not focused on the long jump that's being done mm -hmm. somewhere else on the track. Our focus is on our specific race. And with that focus, 
we are able to move forward and just pursue what God has for us in that race. I'm thinking of if we've got multiple sprinters, like even multiple sprinters just running the track, and as they go to exchange the baton, if you're there waiting for that baton to be passed for you to you, if you're looking elsewhere, you're not going to be prepared to grab hold of that baton and continue in mm-hmm. the race. You're just going to be distracted and way off, way off track. And also, in regards to that, I love the fact that as we're pressing on toward the goal or for this prize, he mentions the upward call of God mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. As a runner, your head is up. Your head is up. You're looking up ahead because the prize that you're looking towards, it's in front of you. And that's what the Apostle Paul is almost, when I read this, this is what I feel like he's alluding to. It's like he's running, he's got the baton, but his head is upward. He's looking up, of course. He's looking up because we're coming with our help, our help coming from the Lord who, who reigns. So our our gaze is heavenward mm. as we run this race. We're not looking down. We're not looking to the left. We're not looking right. But we're looking upward, looking towards the heavens, um, towards the prize that God is calling us. Man, so what what does that look like? Like if I'm listening to that on a practical level, when I when I stop listening to this on, 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 on Sunday or I'm going yeah. to work on Monday, what does it look like to to press towards the upward call? Like, give me like practical, what does that look like? Um, I think for sure, uh, dedicated time. Like we have to commit time to Jesus, period, you know, and it should be immovable. Like that time should be sacred time that we're holding hostage. Like nobody (laughs) or anything can touch that time. Um, And I think one of the things that's important to know too is that with Paul, like this took all of his energy. Like he wasn't focused on anything else. He was only focused on Jesus. And I think it's important to know too, why Paul felt so strongly about it. Like you kind of touched on it when you were talking about like where, uh, or Nahum kind of touched on it when he was saying how Paul is reaching for Jesus. But if we understand where Paul came from, you know, and how dedicated he was to persecuting Christians and, you know, following the the Roman law and how, how God met him, you know, um, how he was he was already blind but he spiritually blind but then he came became physically blind before he be, he could become spiritually alive and so sometimes we have to kill stuff you know in mm. ourselves like Preach. stuff needs to die in order for us to uh, actively live out our faith man you you that was good you know when you said but god met him you know i i wonder sometimes have have we had that encounter with God? And, 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 and as a minister, as a pastor, you know, you're always trying to encourage people, hey, spend time in your word, get before God, hey, serve, hey, be faithful, hey, give, hey, volunteer. And you're, 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 you're giving opportunities to grow. Audrey, I love what you said because you said Paul had this encounter with Jesus. He yeah. met him. And I wonder, um, I'm, I'm a pastor. And so if, if you know me, if you are a part of our church, in our conversations, I'm pushing you. Um, I'm pushing you to plan a church, pushing you, <laughs> you know, to, to, to serve in some way, to give, to, to be faithful, um, to sacrifice your time, to, to lead a group, 
to to be in a group, right? I'm, I'm trying to push you, man, one of the things we're big on is asking this question of members of our church, what is the next step you need to take in, in, in your growth and relationship with the Lord? But as I listen to you, Audrey, one of the things I'm taking away is um, that God met him. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes, just frankly, have we had that encounter with Christ? Because when you have that encounter with Christ, or maybe there's another encounter that you need with Christ, mm-hmm. you don't always have to be pumped up and pushed and, and everything laid before you, uh, just neat and nice. And, and then when the perfect conditions are there, then I'll pursue. No, he's, he's trying to apprehend, going back to King James, the one that apprehended him. Right. right? right. And so that's, that's good. So I think on a practical step, that could look like, like Audrey says, spending time in your word, that could look like spending time encouraging other people. That could look like stop living in patterns of sin Amen. To, to make a commitment to be done with that, right? And to really repent and forsake and, and start walking towards the way that God's calling you to walk. Um, so Nahum, you want to you want to yeah, add? No, that, that goes right into the next, very next verse, um, verse 15, um, which reads, let those of us who are mature mm. think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. And I, I looked, I took a quick look at um, just the word mature, just to figure out what it meant there. And as he says, let those of us who are mature in spirit. Um, and what what I came what I came up with uh, was the terms perfect or genuine um, or fully submitted, if mm. you would, uh, fully submitted, looking towards you know that upward call of God that he's that the Apostle Paul is pretty much calling us out to. Yeah. Um, so so we're pretty much yeah just staying focused with our heads up. And it's interesting that he put at the tail end, now, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. And what came to mind as I was going through this text is, um, I'm thinking of doubting Thomas. Um, and John, I believe it's John, John 19, um, 24, I'm thinking of doubting Thomas because the disciples, the disciples were in unity. In terms of, because they had seen, Christ had came, Christ yeah. had appeared yeah. to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there initially. Right. So there was that unity there. So in terms of maturity of thought, maturity in spirit, they were all on one accord. But Thomas, his thought was, he wasn't there. So he was like, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. Mm. And that was Thomas's thought. But Paul is telling us, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Yeah. So God is willing to meet you where you're at. You know, God was willing, Jesus was willing to sh- appear, to show up to Thomas. And he was like, Thomas, here, see me, see me. And Thomas was like, my Lord, my Savior. So God isn't afraid of our doubt. Mm. He's not afraid of He's, he doesn't fear if we are skeptics or even agnostics at that. But God is willing to meet us where we're at to reveal himself to us. And that's what the Apostle Paul is, is telling us in verse 15. If, if the, For those of us who are mature, 
are in unity, let's, let's move forward. But even if you do have doubts, God will reveal these things to you. Mm. And God will reveal himself to you, meeting you where you need to be met. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I think that's so important for, for people who feel um, that they're not, uh, I guess, equipped to, to go out and disciple the people or talk mm. to people about that's their good. faith. Um, I know we've had several conversations just in discipleship group about, man, what if I'm, I'm not ready? Or yeah. what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? And I think right here, uh, Nahum, the point that you're making is Paul is saying, God, like, trust that God will reveal these things yeah. to you. Like, mm-hmm. he's not, just like Paul is saying, I'm not there yet. We don't have to be there yet for God to use us. Like, look at all the things he did through Paul, like, yeah. and, yeah. you know, uh, planning these churches and, uh, disciple making and I mean just everything that he did mm-hmm. and Paul with Paul saying even even though I've you know God has allowed me to do all this I'm still not where I need to be in yeah. Christ yeah. in my maturity yeah. and so I just think that's really encouraging when you feel like you don't have enough or you don't know enough yeah. yet to go out and you know talk mm-hmm. to people about your faith so yeah no Audrey that was real good what you said um and continuing in verse 16 he says only let us hold true to what we have attained. Only let us hold true mm. to what we have attained. So when I hear that, I'm thinking, okay, let's be faithful to the progress that we have already made in this race. You know, when racing, we don't look back. You know, if we're running a race, or for example, even if we're in a car, if, if we're in a car, we've got rear view mirrors. Now, our rearview mirrors are there so that we can glance back, right. but our focus is on the windshield in front of us. Yeah. You know? So even as we were, as you had mentioned, alluded to earlier, we, we don't look back because we're pressing forward. Mm. So we don't stay glued to our rearview mirrors, right. Right. but we keep our gaze forward and moving forward. And that's what he's telling us. He's telling us to hold true to what we have attained. Let's continue to move forward let's continue to make progress let's continue to grow and even as as you were alluding to audrey a lot of us don't think that we're there yet Mm -hmm. you know don't let your doubt or your skepticism um slow you down continue to pursue you know um even if you've got a marred past you've had some issues in your past which we live in a broken world this world is full of sin but let's not continue gazing backwards but let's continue yeah. to, to look forward and pursue yeah. the call of God and I think part of the reason um, Paul is pushing that is when we look at verse 17 it says brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us so Paul has already confessed to us not perfect not mm-hmm. there yeah. um, but he presses because of Jesus Uh, and that he's pressing towards this upward call. But he doesn't stop and individualize his Christianity. He does not make this about his personal journey with Jesus only. Our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it is also communal. And here's what Paul says. Brothers, join in imitating me. In other words, follow me as I follow Christ, as he says in another passage in the epistles. He says, Uh, I want you to look at my life. I'm in pursuit, but I'm broken. In other words, 
when he says imitate, it, it presupposes you have to come close enough to Paul to see the beauty and the knowledge of his pursuit, but also to see the brokenness of Paul. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he says, I got this thorn in my flesh and I've been asking God, God, take it out. And God refuses to take it out. And so Paul is struggling with something we don't know specifically what it is and it's best that we don't. But Paul is by nowhere, no means a perfect man. But he still invites people into his imperfect life to see his pursuit of a perfect Jesus. That's good. So I want to encourage as, as we've been saying, we don't have it all together. You know, we've had stuff in our past, and that's all of us. That is the people at this table telling you to pursue got stuff in their past, too. We are a hot and heated mess. We are. But yet we need to be inviting people into our lives and saying, I'm a mess, but God. Amen. I'm, I'm weary in this position, but I'm going to keep pursuing I'm frustrated with certain aspects of my life. I'm not where I want to be, but this I know I'm going to keep pressing towards this mark of the high call. And he invites people into imitating um, him, right, in, in in this gospel that he's laid down for them. I mean, I think another thought that I have here is, uh, man, I love meeting with this cohort. It's about 10 or 11 of us. And, and one of the things that I, that, that I share with this cohort a lot is, you know, it's almost like I'm saying, okay, now go and do the same thing. I think they always say that. They always tell you that. I'm like, okay, boom, take what, what I'm given and go do that. Why? Because there are people that are going to respond in a human way that they're not going to respond to me. They're going to respond to Audrey in a way they're not going to respond to me. And they're going to respond to you in a way that they won't respond to me. I'm so glad this isn't a superstar church. No, the idea is go. The great commandment is go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe these things and these laws. I just want to encourage you wherever you are, whatever you're going through, that yes, there's stuff that God is working on you about, but he's also working on you so he can work through you to others. It's not not just about us. And so I think that's what Paul is is getting at as we look at... um, verse 17. But then he takes a turn. The the text pivots walking into verses 18. Um, And before we get there, Paul is going to become very, very pastoral. And he's going to begin to tell a story about people in this church at Philippi who were probably, probably not Christians, but in church, and let's start here. It's possible to be in church and not Christian, mm-hmm. right? To be in attending church, but your heart was never transformed uh, by the gospel. You were never moved from spiritual death to spiritual life. So I pray um, for for people that may even be a part of gospel fellowship, um, but not a true Christian believer. The problem with these individuals who are not believers is they started giving and trying to share false teaching, to take attention away from the gospel and start preaching another gospel, which Galatians tells us anyone that preaches another gospel, that's no gospel at all. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this with, with, with the, the, the prosperity gospel or the um, um, other, other teachings out there that go against the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ. Really, there is no prosperity gospel because that gospel is no gospel at all. 
Wow. Right. And so as he as he begins to address this, part of my thought here is that as a pastor, I've known those that are very antithetical or, or very aggressive in either teaching another doctrine after they may veer away from Christ or veer away from the church. They end up teaching this other gospel to try to persuade people to follow them. Man, as we end in verse 17, there's, there's this shift in the text that Paul takes. Paul is going to become very pastoral. I want us to read together what he says, starting uh, at verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in shame with the mindset set on earthly things. Paul is, is, is talking about probably people that started out uh, following uh, this, this church in Philippi, maybe hung around the church for a while, but, but somewhere along the line, they get knocked away from the teaching of the gospel. And they really start sharing false teachings with the Christians that are there at the church at Philippi. And in this, their, their aim is to draw away the attention from the gospel to some earthly things. It's, it's, it's a lot of times, unfortunately, the same kind of, of false teaching or corrupt teaching that has crept into the church of Jesus Christ today and take folks' attention away from Christ that calls us to live sacrificially for him and focuses on things that only serve our own purposes. And as a pastor, it's one of the hardest things to see. To see someone not keep on growing onto maturity. At the end of the day, uh, one of the things that I take comfort in is, man, salvation is of the Lord. Amen. Going back to earlier in this passage where he says, he, if he begins a good work in you, he brings it to completion. And so we can trust that, that God can be at work in many ways, even when it looks like a person may have, have just run so far from God, they'll never come back. I'm so glad he got a hound of heaven that he can, he can send out to, to bring his people right back where they need to be. But just as a pastor, man, it is, it is, it is heartbreaking to see that. And even when your words lose influence and you're not able to speak and share in a way that they respond to, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's not just for a pastor. If you're a disciple maker, it's not just for the site. If you're a member of the church and you say, man, where's so-and-so? What, what happened? Here's what we can trust in, that God is responsible for salvation. And if he begins a good work, man, he brings it, he brings it to completion. Amen. Amen. I think we alluded to that earlier on, even the Apostle Paul. Um, I think it was in verse 12 when he was like, um, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which mm. Christ Jesus has laid, laid hold of me. Yeah. So it's still that, that just that thought that God will reach that person because mm. yeah, yeah. we're unable to reach God on our own merit. We're unable to reach God on our, based on our own works. We're unable to reach God, you know, by working it out, you know, 
but God, Christ Jesus, actually had to come down and die for us upon the cross of, of Calvary and allowed us to gain access to the presence yeah. of God. So, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so just love that because it points us back to the cross, our gaze back yeah, to yeah. the heavens, our, back, our gaze back um, to the focus of, of Jesus. Yeah. So, and even with that, though, I love the fact that in verse 18, he says, For many many walk of whom I have told you often. Actually, I'm reading a different version here. But 18, it says, And now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so just think, the Apostle Paul, he's in jail. He's mm-hmm. in jail. Yeah. So his condition, the conditions surrounding him are heartbreaking enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet, as he writes this, he's in tears, weeping, not over his situation, but he's weeping over those that have, that have, that are being considered enemies of the cross. You know, and I think as, well, leaders, pastors, or elders, or what have you, as leaders in the church, it's like, it pains us. Obviously, it pains us when we see people go astray. It yeah. pains us when we see somebody suffering due to sin or due to their um, not wanting to turn um, and commit to God. And it reminds me of Jesus who wept over Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, and he said, mm. this is Luke 19, verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Wow. Would that you... Would that even you had known on this day Mm. the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you on every side Mm. and tear you down to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Mm. Man, let's 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 pause there. That's heavy. <laughs> Lucid place. <laughs> Is today your time of visitation? Mm. Man, repentance should be like breathing to us. Where in our lives are we closing our eyes and and stopping our ears and refusing to listen? to the spirit of God. And, and man, you're, Paul is, it's not that Paul is in jail, Thomas, hmm, you know, they won't do what they won't do, let them do it, they, you know, just going off. No, his, his heart is broken. His heart is broken. And, and man, maybe you'll say, Rodney, I, you know, I feel like I'm in lockstep with the Lord. Okay, but is, is your heart broken over those that are not? Are you are you longing to see your brother and sister be strengthened, be reconnected to take next steps? Maybe that's what we need to be praying. God, would you would you break our hearts over the the, the one sheep that has wandered away and not just let me feel comfortable sitting here with the ninety nine? Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their mm. glory and their shame with mindset on earthly things. And I think, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times that that could definitely be us. Um, 
just with all that's going on, there, there's a lot going on in just this world and this culture. You know, you've got COVID, you've got injustice, you've got work, you've got family, you've got friends. Um, and, and there's a lot of things that can, that can be fighting for our attention, you know. But unfortunately, there's only one thing that's going to lead us, you know, to where we need to be, you know, gazing heavenward, looking towards the cross, keeping our focus on Jesus Christ, because he himself came. He himself came. Not that we can make it to him, but he came to us. Man, there's a passage um, in the scripture that begins to list out all of these sins, Mm. right? And then it says, and so were some of you. But you've been washed. And one of the things, as, as you were talking about, man, sometimes we can find ourselves in those places. But the difference between us and enemies of the cross is that we have been washed. Man, it is, and that, that goes back to the motivations. That goes back to, to why I do what I do. I do what I do because I have been washed. I've had this encounter my life has been wrecked, and now I'm on a hot pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, this is why we don't we don't become conceited, mm-hmm. right? It, it 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 leads us right to humility because we've been washed. And I think that segues into verse twenty. Yes, Ooh, I like the butts in scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the butts in scripture. It's like I'm so simple, but God, like, right? Ooh. All right, so uh, verse verses twenty and twenty one are loaded. I'm just going to start there. I mean, verse 20 starts with a but. And mm. so I counted all the buts and the, the bodies of scriptures that we're reading. There are four buts between mm. verses 12 and 21. Wow. Um, but yeah. I think the the but in verse 20 is really amazing because what's happening is Paul is now comparing uh, citizens of the world to citizens mm. of heaven, Ooh, right? Because verses 18 and 19, he's saying the folks that are citizens of heaven, this is their final destination right. and that's destruction. Yeah. But in 20 to 21, he starts giving us the gospel. But if you are a a believer, Mm. us believers, we're citizens of heaven. And that's where Jesus Christ lives. That's where he resides. Mm. And if we're citizens of heaven, that's our homeland. And so our concern Mm. should be on what pleases God and not what pleases us or whoever else is our citizens of this world. And so I just kind of want to break down what does it mean to be a citizen? Merriam-Webster defines citizen as a person owing allegiance to and entitled to the protection of a sovereign state. Mm -hmm. And if we can just take a moment to put that into context um, in this letter that Paul is writing to the Philippians, we have to understand why he chose to use this terminology. Because Paul writing to them, like the words that he's choosing to use has so much intentionality, right? Mm, He knows what keywords to use to kind of get them like listening. Mm. And so he knew that the Philippians really, really value their Roman citizenship. They value that. And so for, and because of that, um, he knew that uh, just as Roman colonists never fought, that they never forgot that they belonged to Rome, you must never forget that you're a citizen of heaven. And your conduct must match your citizenship, Mm. right? And so if you were a Roman citizen, then you followed all the laws, you did what you needed to do because they took great pride in that. And so if you're going to be a citizen of heaven, it's the same thing. 
you know, you follow Jesus, you follow what's in his word, you follow, you know, the commands that, that he's given us. Um, and so what are those commands, right? What should we be doing if we're eagerly waiting for uh, Jesus to return? And I also would like to note that eagerly is an adjective, mm. right? Which means it requ- it's this form of action. It's yeah. an action mm. word. Um, and so how should we be doing that, right? We should be making disciples of all nations. We should be sharing the good news with others so that they can spend an eternity with God. We should be living lives that are holy. That's mm. how we live our, our citizenship. Um, in heaven. Um, And then as we continue on to verse 21, um, verse 21 says that he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, Mm. using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Again, he's speaking directly to those of us who are citizens of heaven. And what he's saying is when you're a citizen of heaven, um, upon Christ's return, we will be glorified. And yeah. then, and only then at that point, will we be made completely perfect. Mm. And I think that kind of ties into where Paul first started, mm. where we started out yeah. in verse 12, yeah. where he's saying, not that I am perfect, right. but mm. I press on so that I can attain. And this is what mm. he's attaining to, to mm. become Amen. one with Christ and then be ultimately glorified and made completely perfect. Mm. No, that's... that's- that's 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 amazing it brings me back to uh, philippians 1 verse 21 where he says for me to live is christ and to die is gain that the thing he's gaining is that is that perfection with jesus that glorified body his body being transformed from immortality or from mortality to immortality right um and, and and so that that's a blessed hope we have that's a blessed hope we have. And that's, that makes us uniquely different. So even as we, we, we look at issues of injustice, there, there's, there's a call for the church to be active, to be engaged, not to be apathetic and silent on the sidelines. So we're called to engage, but we engage with hope. Because this world is not all there is. And, and, and maybe you're in a challenging relationship. Or you're having some financial difficulties or, you know, you're, you're, you're having some pain in your body. So we, we engage with the world where it is. We, we, we engage with the things in our lives where it is. But we don't do it like we don't have hope. And I think that's what those, those, verses, those verses remind us of. Right. And I said, I think ultimately the three things that stuck out to me the most in uh, the passage that we kind of read verses 12 through 21 is uh, our three things. So we're awaiting our resurrected bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, our new home is heaven. And then we'll have increased knowledge of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's like the total summation of the goal that we should be striving for and following Paul's example and in, in following Jesus. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Man, that was that was that was really really good. I'll just do this. I just want to give space for y'all to encourage the people watching before we close out. Any any parting words that you have of encouragement or or maybe next steps for them? Um, I, I would just encourage um, you to just keep going. You know, it's tough. And I know um, in our Christian needs, we like to say seasons, you know, we, we're, we go through our seasons. Yeah. Um, but regardless of what season you feel like you're in, I think we should take Paul's advice and just press on. I feel like God can meet us in whatever season we perceive ourselves to be in. 
um, like kind of like Paul, you know, I just I, I found this extremely encouraging for myself um, because I found, you know, uh, not that I've attained it, but there is a level of complacency. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, reading through Paul's story, just being feeling just reinvigorated to keep pursuing. Like there's so much more to learn about God and about Jesus and about what we should be doing. And there's so much growth there. Yeah. Um, and so I would just encourage you to keep going. You know, even if you feel like you don't know everything. Um, I was very hesitant about sitting here with Tesserat. <laughs> um, but, you know, we need Did a great job. <laughs> We need those encouraging pushes. And yeah. so, I, you know, I just want to push whoever you are, whoever's watching us and feel like, you know, um, they've been asking for a sign. This is the sign. Mm, that's <laughs> good. Ooh, uh, that's you know, good. so let's let's get to it. We got a lot of work to do. Kudos to Audrey. Um, I asked Audrey to I, I asked Audrey to do <laughs> a few things. And her response recently has been um, yes. And she said to me once, she was like, that's right. This is my season of saying yes. And I was like, all right, let me make sure I keep asking. <laughs> but, but, but what if this was our life to say yes? Mm. You know? Um, and so thank you for that encouragement. What you got? Yeah, no, I think just along those same lines, um, just continuing to, to pursue and just strive what God has for us. Because God has an abundance, an abundance of things that he would like to pour out to his people. Mm-hmm. But very often... We're looking in that rearview mirror and getting discouraged. We're looking in that rearview mirror and we're losing focus. We're looking in that rearview mirror and we're we're going astray. But yeah. let's just continue to to focus on Jesus, because at the end of the day, He's calling us to Himself. We're trying. We're trying to. A lot of times, like if you're if you've been on stage, you know, singing, dancing, what what have you. Uh, you see the crowd and sometimes you don't know where to put your focus, but let's put our focus, set our gaze on the audience of one Mm. who is Jesus Christ, you know? So let's continue to look, look heavenward, heavenward. And another thing I just wanted to highlight how it mentioned in verse 17, brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Um, In life, a lot of times there's there's examples all over the place. There's many people that you can imitate, whether it's family, friends. Um, but Christ is the ultimate example. Right. But let's, let us, as the body of Christ, those of us who are of the same mind, let's, let's continue to, to pursue and just join hand in hand. You know, um, don't be afraid to allow other people to watch what you're doing. You know, invite somebody. Um, just like the Apostle Paul, he had Timothy. You know, with him, Timothy, he was raising up Timothy. He was training Timothy. You know, let's not be afraid to allow people to imitate us. Obviously, we, we're not perfect. We don't have all of our ducks in a row. Right, right. But there's a lot that we can share um, just in terms of the knowledge we have, the understanding we have. Um, I, I heard a quote from a pastor who, who was saying a lot of times we think if we don't have a seminary degree, right. we, we don't want people following us or mm-hmm. we think we are, we're not knowledgeable enough. To be honest with you, if you've read through your Bible a couple of times, I think you you may have more understanding than you think you have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, And even with that, um, feel free to invite people to, to, to watch you or to mentor or to encourage mm-hmm. others who may not be where you're at. Um, a lot of us who are more mature need to 
definitely find opportunities to pour back into others and encourage others, whether it's family, friends, or even just other people at the church. Mm, so. That's good. Thank you for that, man. Yeah. Um, as you said, Paul is in prison, and this series is called Everyday Joy. <laughs> and I think verses 21, 20 and 21, I can just see him writing and being joyful at the life that is coming. Um, Paul's end is he will soon be beheaded, yet he's still able to encourage and to uplift others. So 